uh, was, uh, let me see, uh, oh, there it is, uh, was huios, um, uh, huios, uh, uh, Greek word, was used in the Luke narrative in that uh, if you read the Matthew narrative of the genealogy, and I know I'm not going to go into it again because it's overwhelming and everybody, but uh, the way the Hebrews write genealogy is Abraham begat, uh, you know, Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. They begat, they begat, they begat. Uh, Luke uh, wrote uh, Mary's genealogy as the son of, the son of. But of course, uh, in the original Greek, uh, the phrase the son of was left out, actually. It was just, uh, it would have been like a list of, and it worked from, uh, rather than starting at Abraham and going down, it worked backwards from, it said Joseph, all the way back to, um, the, uh, back to the Lord. And actually, the only time the phrase the son of uh, was uh, used in the original Greek would have been there where it said the huios of Joseph. That uh, Jesus uh, being of 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son, the huios of Joseph. Meaning that uh, that word huios there does not mean that they necessarily were biological. It could be biological, but it means a follower, a pupil. It means an offspring. Uh, in other words, you could say uh, that same word would say David is my son. He's not my son uh, biologically, but because he's a son-in-law, he would be, uh, I would say, well, David is this, my son. So you understand what I'm saying. It, that word, that phrase. But that phrase is powerful because the Lord used that phrase when he said, you can become the huios of God, that you are, that can become the huios of the resurrection. And of course, in looking at that phrase later, of course, uh, you saw where Paul used it in, uh, in Corinthians and uh, he used it uh, there uh, when he said, uh, you are sons and daughters, saith the Lord. He used it in Galatians, the third chapter. He used it in Galatians, the fourth chapter, over and over where he would make those statements about uh, you are no longer, uh, God sent forth his huios, uh, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that word there is not huios, but it's a, it's a derivative, it's a, a compound word, huotheos. Uh, and because ye are huios, sons, God sent forth the spirit of his huios into your heart, saying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a huios, and if a huios, then an heir of God through Christ. What are you saying all that for? I was talking about the Christmas people, but uh, all of those involved in the Christmas story, but the 
exciting thing about that is the Lord is able to transfer his DNA to us just uh, like we can have received through the blood, the engrafted blood of the Lord. I am thankful I, and I read, I mentioned where they found now scientific evidence where if you put a, a, a DNA from a donor in your blood marrow that uh, the, the, the new donor can all of a sudden his DNA take over. I'm excited about the fact that the Lord is able to make us a new creature in Christ. So it doesn't matter. You say, well, but I, you don't understand. I was raised an alcoholic. I was raised in a bad family. I was raised. If you want to get a whole new set of DNA, I'm telling you, you can get a DNA transformation. What an exciting moment that is. And that's from being plugged into the Lord. Then, of course, we talked about uh, some other players, and my wife sang the song tonight, but that very sense of the innkeeper, who we don't know uh, who the innkeeper's name was. We don't know anything about the innkeeper, but basically he had no room uh, in his house. He had, you know, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you stay in my barn. And I know nobody here, everybody's here on a Sunday night, and I get it. I'm not talking to just a Sunday morning crowd, but we're here. We all love the Lord. But, you know, it's amazing how we can get so busy that we have no room for the Lord. You know, I'll let the Lord in on part of my life. I'll let the Lord in on another part of my life, but I'm not going to let the Lord in on every part of my life. I remember several years ago, Brother Bob Keyes was telling me, he said, you know, the worst, the only time I made a ba very bad real estate decision was in a time whenever I thought I could do it all by myself and I didn't take time to pray about it and open up and make room for the Lord. Just telling you what he told me. I don't know. I don't know how bad it was. I don't know what happened. But what are you saying? If we don't make room for the Lord, he stands at the door and he tries to knock. And yet if I say somehow, you know, I don't have time. I don't have time for all of this. I don't have time to know what's going on. I, and that was where it says in the day of provocation, you know, they laid him in a manger and you go, I, I don't have time, uh, pastor. I, you know, I'm so busy this hour and I've got this going and that going. Oh, I'm glad I don't want to be an innkeeper in this hour. Amen. Not have time for the Lord. And I, that word provocation, I, I read it to you this morning. It means being provoked. It means being frustrated and irritated. And I, I dare say we've all been guilty of asking the Lord to leave our house when we got provoked. <laughs> Lord, if you'll just let me handle this one. Huh? You just kind of take your leave and go outside for a little while. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be provoked. I'm going to be irritated. And I know this holiday season, you'll never have a chance to find out if you let the Lord live in your heart every day. Whenever you get around family and you start getting provoked, oh, you get tempted to say no room in the inn. I don't want to pray through right now. I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. Huh? I'm, I'm in my day of provocation. So, 
that, that's not for us, I know. That's, and then we talked about Herod and how Herod refused to go. He was selfish, self-centered, and he was an egomaniac. The religious leaders at that time, same thing. They were, they were not going to be willing to submit to the Lord. They weren't willing to bow their knee. They were not willing to say, Lord, we need you. Uh, we've read about you in the law. Now we want to experience you. You know, it's not enough to just know about him in the reading of this. You know, that was why the Lord attacked the Pharisees and Sadducees so many times. He said, you know the scripture, but you don't know me. You know this, but you don't know me. I'm right here among you. And yet you don't know me. Oh, I, I hope when the Lord comes back, he will not say, depart from me, I never say, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't talk to him. I didn't read his word. I didn't pray. I didn't, I didn't develop a relationship with him. I, you know, yes, I saw him on Sunday morning. I went and I visited him every once in a while, uh, you know, but I, you know, I, that's as much as I could handle. I didn't want to have him in my house all the time. I didn't want to have him living in my, you know, eating out of my refrigerator. And, 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 you know, I, I, I didn't want that. I, I would rather have him over there somewhere. Oh, Lord, I don't want to do that with Jesus. You know, and that sense of those religious leaders were in that very sense of, you know, this is who we are. And then, and uh, we know it all. And uh, I don't need your help. And I don't need you to tell me anything. Terrible place for people on Christmas. Then the shepherds, and we talked about them and how they were the lowest class of all the people. I mentioned that to you last Sunday, how the shepherds were not, they did not have a, a good smelling job. They did not have a good job. They were uh, there to keep sheep. They were there to watch and they were to guard. And, and it was uh, not easy work. I'm sure, uh, you know, wherever the sheep were, it was cold. And in fact, uh, most of the time they would have a little round area and the shepherd would lay at the very gate of that area to protect the wild animals from coming out. You were the first defense whenever a, a coyote or a mountain lion or a fox or whatever tried to get in they had to go through you it was not the best job and you you were out there in the cold and the rain and whatever and that was your job so the shepherds and yet the Bible says the heaven rolled back like a scroll and I know you can't it's hard to imagine it's hard for me to imagine I you know I, I, I remember seeing I, I don't remember where and how but, you know, close encounters or whatever where, you know, all of a sudden a spaceship appears, you know. I, I don't believe in that. But the point is, you know, and these people are stunned and their blind mind is blown and they're whatever. Can you imagine the heavens rolling back and angels begin to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good milk. You know, no wonder they were sore afraid. No wonder they were terrified. But you know what? It didn't stop them. They heard the good news and they wanted to respond to it. The Bible says that they, whenever that voice said, unto you is born this day in the city of Bethlehem, you know, a Savior, they said immediately, they said, let us go. Their, their response was, let us go. Whenever, you know, you say, well, oh, I would, I, wait, what is that? That's crazy. I don't, we, you know, we're out here. We've got a job. You, after the angel said, you shall find the babe, and they're here. 
here they are and this multitude it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us what now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us what are you saying the next part of that verse keep reading and you know what it says and they they what you know it's amazing when people know how to immediately respond huh you know I mean I know I, I'm a grandparent now and, and, and wonderful grandchildren I've, I've been parent wonderful children all, all the above but boy it makes a difference if you have to say it one time and they respond Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when you have to feel like you have to say it again and again and then stomp your foot, you end up feeling bad. And they feel bad. Huh? And everybody, you know, it all. So imagine the shepherds going, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's just mind-boggling. Wow. Well, maybe tomorrow. What do you think, guys? You think we ought to think about it tomorrow? Maybe we'll go down. I don't know. Got busy tomorrow, you know, we got a lot of sheep here. I don't know. Maybe we can find somebody to come and, you know, take. No! They, they talked one to another. This is amazing. Let's go! <laughs> you know, and, and I know. It's, I, I, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but Sam is here, and Sam, you know, came in, and it, I don't remember, one or two services, boom, raises his hand, boom, the Lord filled. I'm going to respond immediately to the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to take, you know, sure, I don't mind if you want to take six months and pray about it and think about it. Maybe you want to take a year, and well, I'll, I'll study it all. I'm good with all that, but at some point you got to say, you know what, this is for me. I want it. The Lord has spoken. I've felt the presence of the Lord. Because if you're not careful, you can just sit there week after week after week after week and, and, you, and ultimately you're saying there's no room in the inn. <clears throat> what Simon Peter said is that we have a more sure word of prophecy. So we have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. If you're tired of living in darkness and you're tired of living in your own kind of secrecy and your own closet and your own problems, you know what? The day star is here. If you'll raise your hands, let the presence and the spirit of Almighty God wash you. I'm telling you, respond to it like the shepherds did. Glory to God in the highest. So they came and they came running and we know that. And so then you look at the next player, if you will, or person was the wise men. And we don't know how many there were. Could have been two, there could have been three, could have been four. You don't get a sense that there were 44. I imagine they would have felt like it was an army invading them. But we don't have a number. We just, it's plural, wise men. And we read it this morning. We read the verses where they came to Herod. They thought he was the king. Surely he would be the one that would know where the birth of the new king is. And how uh, maniacal and ego, 
uh, mania uh, Herod was. He, he was not interested in worshiping the Lord. He was interested in saving his job. He was willing to kill all these children in order to save his own skin. He wanted to be king and uh, stay king and didn't want to have any competition. And yet they came and the Bible says in Matthew the second chapter, when they heard the king they departed and lo the star that they saw in the east went before them till it stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, what did they do? Rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Oh wow, star's back, that's pretty cool. I don't think that qualifies for exceeding great joy. You know, I, I don't know what they did. I don't know if they got down and did a jig. It's only five mile journey. I don't know, they were riding camels, whatever they had, their entourage, but they, whoo, well, I don't know. You might have been able to hear them all up and down the valley as they rode down toward from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem. My Lord, look at this. And, and when they came into the house, remember I told you this morning, it says house, not the stable. So uh, we don't know how long they had been there. We don't know when they arrived. But we think it was within the first two years because Herod had been inquiring very diligently about when they saw the star. And uh, then he killed all of the children two years and under. I don't know if it had been uh, six months or a year, but Herod wanted to make sure he killed anything or anyone that possibly could be the king. But when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy, came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and what did they do? Worship. The one thing, they could have sent gifts without coming themselves. You know, and I appreciate it. We have folks that can't darken the door that will send their tithes, pay online. That's wonderful. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's great. And those that maybe will listen to the teaching online. I, I get it. I, but you know what? There's one thing that until you get in his presence... You can't worship him. Now you can worship him at home now because we can feel the Holy Ghost wherever we are. But I'm here to tell you it's not enough just to join the thing or be apart from a long distance. But he, the Lord is not interested in spectators. This is not a spectator church. It's a participator church. I want to feel the presence of the Lord when the presence is moving. And I appreciate you coming whether you pray for somebody else or get prayer Oh, Lord, help us to move and respond to the presence of Almighty God. And I, I'm not, oh, I don't, you know, well, you didn't move that. I, no, but everybody ought to be able to say something. If I can't clap my hands, I can pat a foot. If I can't pat a foot, I ought to nod my head. If I can't nod my head, I ought to just, you know, say, oh, me. So I need to respond Amen. to the presence of the Lord in some manner. These wise men came and fell down, fell down and worshiped and they opened their treasures and they presented them, what three things? Gold, frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return unto Herod, they departed unto their own country in another way, which is all amazing that the Lord would speak to them and tell them not to go home, not to go by and tell Herod. It was like the Lord was speaking to Gentiles. These were Gentile 
people. They were not Jews unless they had been leftover Jews from whenever uh, Babylon had conquered, you know, possibly it could have been that they were Jews that did not relocate back into Jerusalem. I don't know. But the point is, they came, they <coughs> went to Herod, they, they came and they brought these gifts. And that gift was gold. Everybody say gold. gold. Frankincense. Frankincense. And myrrh. That's why a lot of times we hear the song and we like to sing it. You know, we three kings of Orient are, and, and uh, wise men traveled afar. And uh, I used to, whenever I hear that, I wondered what fire they were f traveling from. But they just came from afar when we'd sing that song. Anyway, that tells you where I was raised. Arkansas. They said far <laughs> and tar. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <clears throat> gold. What was gold a tribute to? Royalty. Gold was because this was a king. Kings have gold. You brought a king gold, you know. That was the currency of the kings, gold. Some people believe that that gold was what helped uh, Adam, <coughs> I mean Joseph and Mary to travel to Egypt to save Jesus was the gold that they received as a gift. They got gold, a tribute to royalty. And <coughs> then they gave frankincense. And what is frankincense? Frankincense is an incense. Uh, it is an, a spice that is used in what kind of offerings? Those of you who are Bible scholars remember this. Frankincense is used in meal offerings, never in meat offerings. A meat offering is never has frankincense in it. Meal offerings were always involved frankincense because frankincense was a spice that was not supposed to be associated with a sin offering or a trespass offering. Frankincense was a smell that was supposed to be a, a sweet Sweet saving, a sweet savior or savor unto the Lord. It was supposed to be something that was used when you offered meal and you could smell its aroma and it was like praise and worship. And that's what they brought to the Lord. And then they brought, what was the third one? Myrrh. Myrrh had the distinct thing of being used for burial. It was for death. In fact, if you read very carefully in Mark the 15th chapter, that whenever the soldiers came to give Jesus a drink, they dipped that sponge in myrrh and wine because myrrh would deaden the pain. It dulled the senses. It would give you a little bit of relief. Uh, I don't know, maybe like Vicodin. I've never taken myrrh. I've never taken Vicodin that I know of either. But I'm just saying, it was a painkiller. It was something that used to deaden your, the pain. And when you see Nicodemus, and Nicodemus went to bury the Lord, you can read about it in the book of John, the 19th chapter and the 39th verse. It says Nicodemus used a hundred pounds of myrrh in the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you put 
myrrh and you wrapped myrrh all around the body whenever you would wrap him up to put him for burial. And you say, well, wow, the, <clears throat> here it was, the wise men, and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we know that Jesus was going <clears throat> to say, in one sense, he's royalty, and then we know he was a praise offering, and we know that he was going to be crucified. The amazing part of that is as a wise man, we hope that we're all wise, am I treating the Lord like he's royalty? You know, uh, right here, I guess you could preach on t giving and tithes and all that, but I'm not just talking about with your money. But I'm talking about, is he the Lord of my life? You know, it's easy. Everybody that says, Lord, Lord, he's not Lord. But am I treating him with a gift of Lord? I need you to be number one in my life. I need you to be the king of my life. I need your direction. I need your correction. I need your involvement in my, oh, I, I want to be wise. I've got to bring a gift that is befitting to royalty. I've got to say, you know what? Lord, I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then of course, frankincense, that's an easy one because at some point I ought to be able to praise and worship and magnify and, and lift him up. And I don't feel like praising the Lord all the time. And sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The fruit of our lips. Giving thanks. Sometimes it's not easy to go thank you Lord for what I'm going through I don't feel like saying thank you but then it's that dying the myrrh that I'm going to die to myself and say you know what I'm going to die daily Lord I want you to take over and control of my life now what's amazing is that when you read the prophecy concerning the Lord coming back it says, and Isaiah wrote it. You can read it in Isaiah, the 60th chapter. We've quoted it sometimes. Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness, gross darkness, shall cover the earth. Gross darkness, the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen on thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising they shall bring gold and incense and no myrrh we don't bring the myrrh to the Lord we die and the Lord puts incense the oil of joy for when you come, whatever you're going through, I want to tell you as a wise person, if you will only plug in and be ready to say, Lord, I want to come and kneel at your feet and worship like the three, maybe four, whatever it was, the wise men that came from the east. When you are willing to humble yourself, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bitter life is, no matter how much myrrh you may feel like you know you're from Smyrna that's the word there meant myrrh Smyrna was a city that manufactured myrrh you may live in Smyrna I don't know read in Revelation the second chapter you can figure out how bad it is when you live in Smyrna 
You may feel like you're living in the very place where myrrh is made. Every day I wake up with the smell of death. But let me tell you, when the light of the Lord shines, you bring whatever you have to him, it becomes gold and frankincense. There is no myrrh at that point. He turns the oil of joy into glow that morning. I'm telling you, he'll take off your garment of heaviness and give you a place where you can rejoice and feel the presence of Almighty God. So, oh, I know, and I'm here on a Sunday night, but how many times have we come in and I'm too tired and I don't feel like, and I've got a, I've got a bat knapsack of myrrh, huh? And you don't know what I've been through this week, and you don't. But you get in, and if you, uh, you know, if you just sit there with your myrrh, you can walk out with your myrrh, <laughs> huh? But if you sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to do what the wise men did. I'm going to fall on my face and begin to worship him like they did. I want to tell you what? I'm going to honor you as Lord of lords and King of kings. I'm going to honor you with my praise. I don't feel like praising, but I'm going to praise anyway. I'm going to give you a sacrifice of praise. I will tell you, you'll leave out of there and you won't be carrying your knapsack of myrrh, but you'll feel like mercy and goodness are following you and you'll feel like rejoicing. <laughs> Say, well, I still got my bills and I still got my problems and I still am kind of tired. Yeah, but ooh, I felt good tonight. I'm sorry. I felt like I, I changed my, my sadness for gladness. Right. <laughs> huh? That's what it means to me. Anyway, all right. I, I, couple more players and I'll just try to finish them up here. Maybe I can get through them. Uh, <clears throat> Simeon, that's another one. He was there. You remember Simeon? Uh, older man, Simeon, just and devout, waiting for the consolation or what it meant was the salvation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death but uh, before he had seen the Lord's Christ so I don't know Simeon had every day just maybe this sense of you know what the Lord's going to come they hadn't heard from the Lord for over 400 years there hadn't been a word from God in over 400 years can you imagine not in my lifetime not in my dad's lifetime not in my grandpa's lifetime you know we talk about Azusa Street but can you imagine over 400 years and we haven't heard from God we haven't heard anything from God I mean you know well, God, I just don't think you really care about us anymore. You know, my Lord, I, I can understand feeling like the heavens are brass for one year, one month, one week. You know, if I get depressed, if, if, if I feel like I go 24 hours and I don't feel the joy of the Lord. Huh? But imagine for over 400 years and yet the Holy Ghost came upon him and, and, and it said you're going to see the Lord's Christ and he came by the Spirit into the temple you want to you want to see the Lord come by the Spirit <laughs> get a hold of the Spirit and come to church I 
I know it's bad. I know it's rough. I know we haven't heard, but I'm going to keep coming anyway. And day after day, week after week, and all of a sudden, he's standing there, and in walks a poor little couple, and they are so poor that they don't, they're bringing it to, to be the circumcision and the naming of this little baby, and they got a little child. Here it is, eight days old, uh, ten days old, whatever it was, and so they bringing this little baby in. Obviously they're not well to do. They're not well off. And all of a sudden this old man says oh hallelujah. And he goes up and he takes the child in his arms and he raises his head to heaven and begin to bless the Lord and said Lord I'm ready to die. Wow. My Lord, let your servant depart in peace. He said, oh, he said, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You know what? And I, I don't want to get off track and like, you know, follow a rabbit trail. But you know what? From Abraham. Abraham. Abraham was promised all the world will be blessed through you. Jacob, whenever he went to bless Judah, he said a scepter is going to arise in Judah and it's going to bless everybody. Now Simeon is saying, you know what? I'm telling you this is going to be the light to the Gentiles, the glory of the people, uh, the glory of Israel. And poor old Joseph and Mary were blown away. And then he turns and starts blessing them. And he said, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul and the thoughts of many hearts shall be revealed. Oh, what a lovely, encouraging word Simeon had. You're going to be pierced through with a sword. Now we know this guy is loopy. But you read the next verse. After he said those words, which were all prophetic and all true, probably the least of all the players in the second chapter of Luke and second chapter of Matthew, a lady by the name of Anna <coughs> steps up. Anna means grace, the grace of God. And so there was Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was one of great age. In fact, she had lived, she got married, and she only lived with her husband seven years, and her husband died. Seven years, then he passed away. Those times, it was hard for a woman to make it. They didn't own property, and they didn't own businesses, and they didn't have the wherewithal, but Anna, continue 84 years after that. Or the way it's written in the Greek, it's hard to know. Maybe she was 84 years old. I don't know. Either she was 84 or she lived after that 84 years. And you know where she was? In the house of the Lord. When you don't know where else to go, what else to do, Find a place in the house of the Lord. If you want to be part of the Christmas story, 
learn how to get in the house of the Lord. And here it was. She was fasting and praying night and day. And I don't know if she heard what Simeon said or if she saw they were there. But in that instant, she began to give thanks likewise unto the Lord. And then notice what that last sentence about her says. And spake of him to all them that looked for redemption of Israel in Jerusalem. Spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anybody that came in that needed, that felt like they needed to be redeemed. She said, I saw it. He's a baby now. Hang on. He's coming. Redemption's on its way. Oh, for the grace as she picked up that little child and begin to bless the Lord. Oh, I, I know, I, I realize, and I know it's Christmas, and I realize we're busy, and I realize there's, sometimes it feels like there's no room in the inn, and I don't have time to do anymore, and oh Lord, another Christmas present, better get on Amazon tonight, I forgot to buy one for them, get it delivered tomorrow, and wonder who else is having a sale. Oh, I know it's a busy, busy time. But in this time, as they sang tonight, don't crowd the Lord out. All of these people that really had a significant part learned how to worship and to praise and to magnify God no matter what they were going through. I don't like where my life is, but I'm going to praise you, Lord. And I'm waiting for redemption. The New Testament, later on, it said, wherever you are, keep your eyes on the sky. Keep looking up. Why? Our redemption draweth. What are you saying? But I'm overwhelmed. I've got all this to do. I got all this happening. I feel like it's not fair. I feel like life. Oh, but I'm here to tell you. Wait like Anna for the redemption of the Lord. 84 years if it takes it. You know what? As she picked up this little eight, ten-day-old baby, whatever he was, she began to thank and bless the Lord. What a privilege it is, amen, to be able to feel, not just hold a child in our hands. That's wonderful. I know we've got some children sitting up here, and yes, if I picked one up, that's, that's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful as a parent, as a grandparent, to have your grandchild run up, give you a hug. But can you imagine? We could have him living inside. How privileged we are. How blessed. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I want to be found in the Christmas story. In fact, let's come. Hallelujah. The Christmas story is open to everyone. And I know some of you may be depressed. They used to have a, a man that was on the radio in Arkansas. And every year at Christmas time, I don't remember, my dad might remember, but he was a radio announcer and he would talk about how his son 
was angry at their preacher because he's played baby Jesus for 37 years. And this year they found a new baby Jesus in the play. And he would say, I can't believe that preacher I used to listen to because I was like, you know, boy, I'm glad I, my saints aren't quite that bad. I'd feel good. Man, they, I feel great. That poor preacher, I can't imagine. But you know what? You don't have to be in a play. We're going to have the kids do a play or a skit or whatever you call it and sing. And we're going to have a crash and you're going to see all that. But you know what? This can be born right here. That's what's so exciting about Christmas. It's not the presence, T-S, but the presence, E-N-C-E, of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for his word. Thank you for his presence.